0: Welcome again to Sleeping Giants, the East Anglian Daily Times and Ipswich Stars sports podcast. It was a narrow loss to Huddersfield but it did not impress the Ipswich Town fans in the club's last game before the international break with some less than complimentary chanting heard from the stands at the end of the game. Added to that and a poll that we ran on our website earlier this week suggested many Town fans don't believe manager Mick McCarthy can turn the club's fortunes around. Stuart Watson, our Chief Football Writer at Arch and Suffolk, joins me this week to talk all things Ipswich, and we're also joined by fan Carl Fuller for a different take on how things are going at the club. We'll start with you firstly, Carl. uh, Tell us a little bit about your background as a town fan. How long have you been supporting the club?
1: Okay, I've just passed 38 years. My first game was back in August '78. Town versus Liverpool, Arnold Murren's debut, we lost 3-0 and I felt sorry for the club ever since. Oh, well, there we go. It's <laughs> a good
0: start for your life as a town fan. You also write a, a column for us. How long have you been doing yeah, that? Yeah,
1: I've been doing that for four years now. Uh, started with a defeat and soon was followed by um, Paul Jewel's sacking or release from the club, whatever you want to call it. And um, c- kind of a tough start to write in a column, but obviously when things are bad, there's more to write about than when everything's swimming. So and I almost feel like I've gone full circle now. Mm -hmm.
0: So two starts, both starting with a loss. Hopefully today is going to be a little different from that. We'll go back to the Huddersfield game and we'll start with you, Stuart. Was it another uninspiring performance by Ipswich?
2: Yeah, very much so. I think, um, I guess if you took it, the game, on its own, a 1-0 defeat to a team that's flying at the moment, top of the table, it wasn't the worst I've seen from Ipswich, but in the wider context of things it just sort of adds to the general feeling of malaise and stagnation at the moment another game without a goal no real entertainment nothing to get the fans going and um, you can see why the the mood kind of turned a bit sour
0: towards the end what's your thoughts on the game carl
1: yeah well Huddersfield are normally stuck in my mind at the end of each season as one of the best sides to come to Portman Road i think they're always a good football side um, but obviously lack consistency to finish top six or challenge the top six and yet this season it's kind of turned on its head I, I don't think they were as good as what I've seen them in the past but they're obviously being consistent at the moment and getting results um, but Saturday was just there's not a single word I can find to say in praise for it town at all it was a poor game poor poor style of football one shot on target Everyone around me bored to tears. I had my own daughter and another young lad in front of her who were hiding under their coats and flags. Another guy beside me who was there in the Ramsey and Robson era who said, I can't believe this is what it's come to. So I'm stuck in between the fan of yesteryear, the fan of tomorrow, (laughs) neither of them enjoying it and thinking, you know, where do we go from here?
0: Well, you've uh, summed up what my next question was going to be for. What's the mood in the stands like? Is that the sort of thing that you feel is echoed elsewhere around the ground during match
1: days? Yeah, I mean, it it was interesting Saturday because I had my young daughter with me. I had to pull myself out of my usual North Stand lower position because she's too young to go in there. So I was able to see it from a different perspective. So in the North Stand, obviously it ended with lots of booing, chants of what a load of rubbish and I would probably have been joining in if I was sat there still. But being in a different part of the ground where you haven't got that sort of boisterous behavior, let's say, um, you can see things a little bit more clearly and and everyone's still saying the same things but in a more calm and measured sort of manner. What is it
0: that is worrying most people at the moment? Is it the lack of goals, the lack of shots on target, or is it the the general style of football at the moment?
1: I would say it's the style of football. Players being played out of position. You've got a bit of quality um, in Teddy Bishop returning, but he's being kept on the bench. That means Andre Dazel can't get on the bench because Bishop's there ahead of him. So it's the style of play. It's mixed team selection. And it's also, I think, mixed contempt of the fans at times. I mean, to say that only winning games would get fans back is ridiculous because you know, if you're winning games, fans will turn up. You know, if we're in the Premier League this time next year we'll have 30,000 crowd, but we've got to win a lot of games to get there but whilst we're not winning it's how well we lose or draw and I challenge any Ipswich fan to say when they truly last enjoyed a game that we did not win because it's hard to find one that will say they truly enjoyed a game that we did win You know, so for me it's it's, it's purely down to style
0: well, One of the things that Stuart and I have been talking about in these podcasts is how Mick McCarthy has been trying to, or have been saying he's been trying to drive towards a change in style, maybe moving away from, inverted commas, long ball tactics, trying to play more on the, the floor, trying to play more attractive football. Do the fans see that there's an effort there trying to do that, or is it more that you just need to give a bit of time for that sort of thing to bed in, because it's a style that clearly they've been playing not very much of in recent seasons?
1: Yeah, I, I think there's a bit of both really there. Um When Daryl Murphy left, um, some fans said, Well, at least he won't be there for us to lump it forward to him. And maybe more sort of a passing game would evolve. But on Saturdays, they were just lumping it to Leon Best most most of the time. But then when they do try a bit of football, it might go sideways or backwards. And then the crowd are then getting on their backs because it's not going forward. So, you know, when they do try, fans have just lost a lot of patience. They just want to see the ball get forward in a in a nice way, not just being lumped. But, I'm sorry, but whilst you've got Skuse, Douglas, Brew, all playing together in the middle, no quality, you're not going to get those quality balls going forward.
0: Well, that's uh, possibly a good thing that we've got a, a week off from that uh, this weekend because of the international break. Following that, it's a visit to Blackburn. Uh, that's the first game after the international break. They're currently sitting down in 22nd. Surely, Stuart, town are going to be able to pick up some points from a visit to ewood park well as
2: uh to, to use a mick mccarthy phrase there's no easy games in in the championship um and listen it's a cliche but it's a cliche for a reason you know th- everyone can beat everyone in this division burton at home is is the following game um i think it says a lot that mick's already calling that a huge match at home to to newly promoted Burton at this stage in the season, but um, it, feel, it does feel like a big week in general. Blackburn away, Burton at home, and then Newcastle away. Um, I said in the summer that it felt like a bit of a crossroads season for Ipswich Town. It's certainly feeling like a, a crossroads moment in a crossroads season for me. Um, it can go one of two ways in, in the next few weeks, and I think if it's more of the same, the uh, the pressure on Mick is gonna intensify. It's not just Mick that's facing criticism, of course, Marcus, Marcus Evans, a lot of people feel that the real root cause of, of the problems at the moment is him. Um, so we shall see, big three games, but um, I wouldn't sort of say Blackburn away is, is, a, is a guaranteed three-pointer by any stretch of the imagination.
0: When we get to the the Newcastle game, of course, that's a long trip for fans to make. And when we did our pre-season poll uh, in the summer, that was one of the most anticipated away games that that fans were really looking forward to. But I suppose now, are we looking at the possibility that fans aren't going to be wanting to to make that trip if they don't think they're going to be seeing inspiring football, or at least a chance for the the, the team to to get forward and, and pose a threat to Newcastle?
1: Yeah, my understanding is we've already sold about 2,100 tickets for Newcastle and far, far less for Blackburn. So does that tell you a bit more about the place rather than the, than the football? Maybe a lot of people are going up for a weekend, etc. One good thing about Newcastle, I'll say this obviously tongue-in-cheek, is you're so high up in the clouds where the away fans sit. Even if we do happen to play a good game, we're not going to see it anyway. What are your thoughts on that? I think oh, people will go to Newcastle
2: because it's St James's Park and it's it's a new ground and everything that goes with it. I think um, you know Carl will probably know better than I, but people that go to the away games regularly, uh, you know, it's more of the the day out as much as as the football and everything else like that. So I, I don't see that being an issue. I'm more concerned about the the falling attendances at Portman Road, and um, we've spoken a lot about the the people that voice their discontent, but it's more the people that have. Quietly, sort of slipped away from from Portman Road over the last few months. They've shed about thousand season ticket holders over the summer, which you know the club had worked so hard to get back on board. Those sort of floating fans. They're always going to have a core of eleven, twelve thousand season ticket holders, but um, it's those sort of floating fans, ones that have maybe gone away over the years, or or just got a bit fed up of it. And you know, I come across a lot of of people that just said, just just not enjoying it anymore so I'll spend my money doing doing other things and and they're the ones that I think the club have got to be more worried about not the ones that are staying and, and booing at the end the ones that just saying no thanks not for me and um, especially in this financial fair play era where every penny you get through the gates is is crucial that's uh, that could hit the, the club quite hard in the in the months and seasons to come
0: because of course a couple of seasons ago when town were uh, eventually making the playoffs. They were selling half-season tickets in the January transfer window and they were being snapped up left, right and centre. Far cry from from that, of course, now with fans walking away before we've even yeah, got which, halfway through the season. Which
2: I guess gives credence a little bit to, to Mick saying about you know winning football is, is everything because they probably weren't playing a, a particularly different style of football when they finished sixth. It was fairly... Fairly direct to them, but um, I think they had maybe a few more strings to their bow, and um, uh, you know, I'm trying to think back to that season. Carl, was it? I guess was there was there games that sort of e- even the games that they won were sort of last minute goals and things like that. There was a bit of excitement, wasn't there? But um, yeah,
1: I mean, you can obviously think of Charlton away, um, you know, with the last minute winner by Noel Hunt, and yeah, I think it was marginally better. But you're right, you know, that the last two or three years has been fairly turgy throughout and let's face it we did only reach the playoffs because uh, of Derby's failure more than more than anything
2: Yeah and I mean you could say that the, people are saying is is the sort of the, the criticism at the moment a bit of an overreaction I mean you can arguably say that the decline has been set in for a good 18 months if if not longer now because as Carl's just sort of touched on there they rather stumbled over the line in, in finishing sixth after, after no real investment you know I think they went into Christmas Looking like automatic promotion contenders kinda of stumbled over the line. I don't think even the most positive of, of fans really expected them to beat Norwich. The best outcome was to put in a, a really good sort of effort and, and come out with Pride intact, which they did, of course. Um I think seventh last year probably was overstated the the season. That was a couple of wins in Dead Rubbers towards the end of the season. I mean playoffs were were long dead. It was death by a thousand cuts, I think I said a a few times at the back end of last season. And, you know, we all hoped that the signings were were younger signings this year. We were were talking about a different style of football, maybe things evolving. And there's just not been the evidence of that so far. And you just wonder whether Mick McCarthy can truly change his ways. I, I just think a lot of his... Uh, a lot of his way of playing is so hardwired into the players that regardless of what personnel he puts on the pitch I think certain certain things that he demands from his players
0: will will always be the same. I'm trying to find some positives that we can we can talk about Um, I suppose in a way we're not looking at Ipswich doing what Cardiff and what Blackburn have done who are possibly clubs on on a similar level maybe not Financially, because obviously Cardiff I think, have got quite a bit of investment, but similar sized clubs spent quite a bit of time in the championship over the last sort of few decades, uh, and they're really not doing very well this season. Cardiff, of course, just uh, recently sacked their manager and brought in Neil Warnock. Blackburn, as we've already discussed, down there at the bottom of the table at the moment, and we've seen both the Sheffield clubs go down a division in the, uh, in the past few seasons. So there are positive things to look at. I mean, I know staying for 15 seasons in the Championship isn't what everybody would, would like to do, but it could be a lot worse, I suppose.
1: It, it could. I mean, you've only got to look at League One and see clubs like Coventry, Bolton, Sheffield United, you know, similar-sized clubs on, on their day. Their fans would love 15 years in a row in a Championship, never mind the, the smaller clubs, the Colchester's and Rochdale's and Mansfield, whoever. Um, but then it's like i know some arsenal fans are forever moaning because wenger doesn't spend the money you know it's been a while since they've won the premier league so it's probably with most fans expectations so you know we expect to be challenging around the top six and um we expect to be playing a, a better style of football so um yeah you can say on a positive front we are still in the championship you know but Some fans have even said, let's go down and do what Norwich, Leicester, Southampton have done and and rebuild and come back. But it's not automatic because those clubs I just mentioned haven't been able to do it.
0: And what about on the pitch as well? I mean, the past few games have seen generally a reasonably tight defence. There have been quite a few clean sheets uh, towards the the start of this season. Is there anything on the pitch that's
1: looking vaguely positive for you at the moment? Uh, Not at the moment, but of course we've got... Teddy Bishop, David McGoldrick, Johnny Williams to come back into the side. The problem we've got at the moment is quite often we're keeping a clean sheet and we're getting nil-nil draws. But the moment that we don't keep a clean sheet, like um, Huddersfield on Saturday, like Leeds away, the moment we don't keep a clean sheet we haven't got enough in our artillery to respond and equalise, never mind come back with two goals to win the game. Um, So Yes, we can get some quality back in into the side. Will Mick play all three uh, of those players? Possibly not, because I can't see him wanting to break goose and Douglas. But even with those three, if they do all play, I still fear a little bit that we haven't really got anyone up front, especially with Pittman out, to put the chances away that could be created.
0: I was just wondering what your thoughts on Mick are at the moment. Obviously, he has done very well for Ipswich in the past, saving from relegation, got them up to the, the playoffs that season fans starting to to turn against him a little bit now what are your thoughts on him and and what do you think he needs to do to keep the fans on side to give himself a bit more time to show that perhaps things can change
1: yeah okay i think he just needs to um play players in their correct position so let's not see luke chambers back to right back when adam webster's fit you know at the detriment of josh Emanuel for example let's break up the skews douglas partnership get get a Bishop or a Williams maybe alongside Colskos for example um, try and promote a better style of football, that's clear for us all to see, as for Mick it's really difficult because I've got 100% respect for him he, he, he has done a marvellous job You know when he first came to the club and then getting us into the playoffs um, but I just feel the modern game needs a modern manager and for people to say let's look where we were when Mick came, yeah fair enough but Ipswich fans like to use history when, when it suits us. You know, the UEFA Cup win, the FA Cup win. When Norwich fans kept drumming 9-2 into us uh, three or four years ago, us Ipswich fans would say, well, why stop at two games? Let's go the whole hog and then you'll find it's 238, <laughs> 220 in our favour. So we like to use history. So if you're going to say, let's look where we were when Mick joined us, you might as well say, let's look where we were when Robson left us. You know, how far back do you want to go? Um, he's brought us so far... And, and it's like, I come from Clapton and see, I see the beach nearly every day and I see the tide come in and out. Um, the tide came in and I'm afraid it's going back out now with Mick and we're going backwards.
0: We'll move on to a couple of player points now, Stuart. Bishop and Johnny Williams both played in behind closed doors games this week. Johnny Williams also featured for the, uh, the development side, I believe, as well, against Liverpool so is there going to be a little bit of light relief with those more creative players now becoming available for selection i suppose one of the key questions is will they be selected
2: that that is the key question isn't it i, I haven't i know people talk about mixed negativity in terms of personnel and teams he picks i personally haven't got a problem with the sort of the balance per se of the teams he picks because on paper yeah okay a lot of teams have two holding midfielders these days. I'm not a huge fan of Scoose Douglas. So that, you know, I know that's the the big talking point, but essentially he does sometimes have three attack-minded midfielders behind a striker, the four-two-three-one as as most teams would call it. But the problem with Mick is it resembles a four-five-one to me when he plays it. Um, you know, he turns two flying wingers into two hard grafting wide midfielders. Kevin Brew's meant to be at the moment the the number 10 player, but he essentially becomes a midfielder as well. So it's not the players he's picking, but I think it's the instructions that he gives them. And I I do wonder with his team talks before a match, it's never, you're better than these today, go out, stamp your authority on the game, and you'll win this game. You just know that the instructions from Mick are always, keep it tight, keep it to nil-nil. You know, you know these are a good team. The way he reels off every opposition, it's as if you're playing Barcelona every week, regardless of. Okay, Huddersfield are top, but he reels off the Huddersfield team, and he'll do it with Burton in in a few weeks' time as well. And I just think psychologically, it, it puts in his his players in their mind that you know they've got to be on the back foot straight away. And the, the stat about the lack of first half goals says says it all about the the safety first approach with Mick and you know he actually used the phrase the other week I can't afford to be 2-0 down inside 20 minutes well how about you know risking and maybe being 2-0 up inside 20 minutes you know from from time to time okay you've got to have a touch of pragmatism about it, you know and expects him to go out there and play gung ho football and, and do that but just show a little bit of gumption sometimes just have a little bit of belief in and being better than the opposition and um, I think that's what's from my outsider's point of view is, is what's frustrating fans at the moment and to go back to your question about wh- whether Bishop and Williams will make a difference and others like that I'm concerned about Johnny Williams' injury record I have to say I think he's a high risk signing you look at Huddersfield had uh, the Australian lad Moy ran the show in midfield on loan from Man City um, Bristol City have got Tammy Abraham scoring loads of goals at the moment they're the sort of uh, Gamble Premier League loanees that are paying off for others, and Ipswich have gone back to a a player that's sort of got off a hefty injury record. In Johnny Williams, yes, he was really good at the Euros in the summer, and we all know he's a very good player. But I am concerned that he'll get kicked up in in the air for sort of uh, three or four games in a row, and he'll be injured again. Same with David McGoldrick. When was the last time we saw the best out of David McGoldrick? Now his his talismanic form is is two three years ago now so to pin all our hopes on one of them coming back in and and changing it all overnight to me uh, i think that might be a bit of a pipe dream i have to say
0: just on the subject of david mcgoldrick quickly is there any word on when he's likely to be back from injury because we've really not heard much about him in in recent weeks talking
2: about november david mcgoldrick is further further away than than the others bishop and uh williams as you mentioned both played in a Behind closed doors game today, so they're the ones that are, they're a bit nearer than, than McGoldrick at the moment.
0: And with Williams, is there any hope, perhaps, that on the sort of on partially on the subject of his injury record, that playing at the Euros with Wales has made him a bit more savvy to to protect himself a little bit more? Because obviously he's playing against players who are. Uh, a lot better, quite frankly, than the standard that we're meeting in the championship. Are going to be able to I don't think take will, him on better. I
2: don't think you'll change Johnny Williams' style of play. That's the way he is. He's you know, and I, and I have huge respect for the way he takes his hits and he tricks people into fouls and he dusts himself down and gets on with it. And that that is a big part of what's made him so popular with fans. But I do think uh, with his injury record, um, that that's that's the concern. Um, so, from all accounts, I haven't been at the, the two under 23 games that he's played in so far, but from the reports that I've, I've read, it was much the same in in those two, getting uh, lumps kicked out of him. So, we'll see.
0: We'll finish, finally, Carl, with your thoughts on uh, what we might expect at uh, Blackburn and Burton because they're the, the, the next two games we'll have. Just very quickly, what would your prediction be for uh, both of those two games as a final result?
1: OK, uh, Blackburn away is not a good ground for us. It's more of a Reading than a Derby, so very pessimistic for that one. I'll take a draw now. Burton, unknown quantity, you know, not played them before, but I'm sorry if we're not looking to beat Burton at home, especially on a Tuesday night when, you know, we do uh, tend to get better results, then we might as well give up now. And I don't mean that disrespectfully to Burton, but um, we've got to go for it. Like Stuart said, we we did beat a good Brentford side 4-2 a few years back we obviously went out scored early we scored early at Fulham last season with Freddie Sears so we know we know something's there we, we can do it but it needs to be more than once or twice a season so a draw at Blackburn and a win over Burton just might buy a few fans a bit of time
0: so to, to steal a phrase from make every points a prisoner and we're looking for four of them uh, of the next two games and then we've got the uh, the joy of Newcastle away coming up uh, just after those two as well that is all for this week's Sleeping Giants uh, next week we are going to be taking a short break from the co- podcast but we'll be back after the Blackburn and Burton games to dissect both of them hopefully with as we've said a few points for Ipswich in the bag thank you to Carl and to Stuart and thanks for listening